Hello, and welcome to Ascend. We are pleased that you can join us to hear Professor Andreas Liebel talk about how to use SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists. Today, I would like to discuss with you which patient benefits most from modern diabetes drugs, especially from SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists. The modern cardiovascular outcome trials, which we have seen in the past few years, really have made a big change in our clinical practice. Before those cardiovascular outcome trials, we could choose more or less whatever we wanted in a kind of alphabetical order of drugs. But nowadays, we have clear evidence and clear guidance to select the right drug for the right patient. So when we think about the right drug for the right patient, one thing is quite clear. First-line therapy always has been metformin, and I think it will stay metformin for many years. And this metformin first-line therapy has to be accompanied by comprehensive lifestyle counseling, including weight management and physical activity. And when it comes now to the next drug, uh, we have to consider a lot of characteristics of our patients, especially is there a risk of hypoglycemia, is overweight a problem, uh, and especially the presence of comorbidities, cardiovascular disease, and the level of glycemic control. Let me say a few words to the level of glycemic control. There is, in general, a kind of threshold, which is an HbA1c above 9 to 10%, uh, where in a newly diagnosed patient, we should consider to start with a combination therapy from the beginning. So in these patients with an HbA1c above 9 to 10, metformin alone, one drug alone, never will reach the target. So we start with combination therapies. And if a patient is already on oral antidiabetic drugs and his HbA1c is above that threshold, 9 to 10% HbA1c, then insulin has to be started. Adding additional oral antidiabetic drugs normally does not lead to targets as well. So, but let's assume now that our patient has already started metformin and his HbA1c is elevated but below 9%, and then we can go on with other oral antidiabetic drugs. And at that step, you have to ask one most important question, very important, by far the most important question is, is there an established cardiovascular disease or a high risk for cardiovascular disease or chronic kidney disease or heart failure? Yes or no? If yes, then independently of HbA1c, another drug has to be added. If cardiovascular disease predominates or if there is a very high risk for cardiovascular disease, and the indicators for this high risk of cardiovascular disease are an age of over 55 and at the same time the presence of stenosis in the coronary arteries, in the carotid artery, or in the lower extremity arteries, uh, or left ventricular hypertrophy, these are indicators for high risk, or if there is present, uh, presently a cardiovascular disease uh, known, then preferably 
we have to go on with a GLP-1 receptor agonist, as I said before, independent from the HbA1c. The um, GLP-1 receptor agonist will lower MACE, which is cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, and stroke in our patient. Only if the uh, GLP-1 receptor agonist cannot be given or it has side effect, a patient does not like it, then uh, a good alternative is an SGLT2 inhibitor with proven cardiovascular benefits. So what are the drugs where cardiovascular benefits have been proven in studies uh, with the field of GLP-1 receptor agonists? It's liraglutide once daily, it's semaglutide uh, once weekly, or sometimes it comes also as an oral uh, drug, and uh, dulaglutide. And when we look at SGLT2 inhibitors, uh, the SGLT2 inhibitors which have cardiovascular benefits and lower rates of heart failure are empagliflozin, canagliflozin, and dapagliflozin. So these were the patients with uh, cardiovascular disease or high risk for cardiovascular disease. If our patient has heart failure or chronic kidney disease, then he should receive preferably an SGLT2 inhibitor. Um, only if the SGLT2 inhibitor is not tolerated or contraindicated, then we also could use a GLP-1 receptor agonist. Very importantly, the SGLT2 inhibitor should be avoided uh, if the EGFR is very low. Cutoff points are different in different countries, but in general, if the kidney function is very low, then SGLT2 inhibitors cannot be used, and then it's a GLP-1 receptor agonist. By using the SGLT2 inhibitors in those patients, heart failure and kidney failure will be definitely reduced. So you may ask now, where is our DPP-4 inhibitor, which we have been using so often in the past years. Uh, and I must say that the DPP-4 inhibitors do not have proven cardiovascular benefit. They do not increase the risk for hypoglycemia, but they only stabilize the weight, whereas we would like to have a drop in weight. So the DPP-4 inhibitor may be a good alternative if you need a glucose-lowering drug in very old patients or patients with advanced kidney disease. But apart from these groups, in most of the patients, the SGLT2 inhibitor is advantageous. So in order to achieve an excellent drug adherence in our patients, we have to manage the side effects of our drugs. And when we look at the GLP-1 receptor agonist, the most common side effect is nausea. This nausea is normally transient and self-limiting, and we can uh, avoid the nausea when we start with very low doses and uptitrate very slowly, and also encourage our patients to eat slowly and take smaller meals. Also, the SGLT2 inhibitors uh, may have side effects. Uh, the most important in my experience is polyuria, and also, in my experience, this is the most important uh, reason why patients stop the SGLT2 inhibitor. But we 
also know that this polyuria is worst at the beginning when blood glucose is high and when blood glucose is going down, then polyuria is uh, going away. And of course, we have the problem with genital infections with SGLT2 inhibitors, um, primarily in women, but also in men, especially men uh, can do a lot to prevent the side effects when they pay attention to good genital hygiene. And very rarely we see normal glycemic ketoacidosis. So, and then there is a problem with the fear of the injection when GLP-1 receptor agonists are used. Many patients fear the injections. First thing you have to explain to these patients, this is not an insulin. It's totally different from insulin. And then please find out the individual concerns and fears of our patients and address them directly and clearly. You also have to explain the advantages and benefits of a GLP-1 receptor agonist. Uh, weight is going down, no hypoglycemia, lowering of cardiovascular risk, and this creates a positive atmosphere around these drugs. And very often it's helpful to promise and to agree on a test phase of three months. And after that period, uh, you have to promise the patient that the drug can be stopped if the patient doesn't like it anymore. And this happens very rarely that the patients give back the drugs when they see all the advantages. Some products also have invisible needles with their specific uh, injection devices. And as a kind of future perspective, we have now an oral form of the GLP-1 receptor agonists already available in some countries. So what are my take-home messages for you? SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists are able to reduce cardiovascular risk and therefore are recommended for patients with type 2 diabetes and established cardiovascular disease or high risk. Please choose these drugs for these patients regardless of the baseline HbA1c or the HbA1c targets. And consider GLP-1 receptor agonists uh, first line for patients with atherosclerotic risk and SGLT2 inhibitors in addition for patients with heart failure and chronic kidney disease. There are side effects, but they are limited, uh, not so often and normally non-severe. Discuss these side effects in an honest way with their patients. Many thanks for listening. We hope you found it useful. Please visit www.ascend-diabetes-obesity.com for more practical advice for caring for people with diabetes.